morning, everyone. <laughs> Glad you could join us this morning. Um, so I'm going to start off, off with a word of prayer, and then we'll get into our passage. <laughs> so um, if you don't mind joining with me in prayer, a quick prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for your word and your your um, and that you've been engaged with us, Lord, throughout the week, Lord, that you've been present with us. Lord, as we um, hear this word this morning, we pray that you would um, convey your love and your grace and your mercy towards us, Lord, that we may see um, the joy in following you, Lord, that you reign, that you are a king. Lord, I pray that the words that I speak today be articulated well, that the hearts that hear may receive. We ask that your spirit just moves upon us. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Well, if you have your Bible, please turn with me to Matthew chapter 13, verse 24. And the parable we're going to cover today is, um, some people call it the wheat and the tares, some call it wheat and the weeds. So, let's look at this passage. And it starts off by saying, Jesus told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed in the field. But while everyone was sleeping, the enemy came and sowed weeds among the wheat and went away. Sorry, I lost my thing. When the weeds sprouted and formed heads, then the weeds also appeared. The owner's servants came to him and said, Sir, don't you sow good seeds in your field? Where then did the weeds come from? An enemy did this, he replied. The servant asked him, Do you want us to go and pull, up, pull them up? No, he answered, because while you are pulling up the weeds, you may uproot the wheat with them. Let both grow together until the harvest. At that time, I will tell the harvesters, first collect the weeds and bundle them in bundles to be burned, then gather the wheat and bring them to my barn. Now this passage, just like in Mark, we said that Mark, there was one explanation for the parable of the sores and the seeds. Well, in Matthew, he gives two explanations, one for the sower of the seed as well, and he also gives one for this one, the wheat and the weeds, and it's in verse 36, I believe, that he continues to explain what this parable is about. And he says, Then he left the crowd and went into the house. His disciples came to him and said, Explain to us the parable of the weeds in the field. He answered, The one who sowed the good seed is the son of man. The field is the world, and the good seed stands for the people of the kingdom. The weeds are the people of the evil one, and the enemy who sows them is the devil. The harvest is the end of the age, and the harvesters are the angels. As the weeds are pulled up and burned in the fire, so will it be at the end of the age. The Son of Man will send out his angels, and they will weed out of his kingdom everything that causes sin, and all who do evil. They will throw them into the blazing furnace, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then the righteous will shine like the sun, and the kingdom of in the kingdom of their father. Whoever has ears to hear, let them hear. 
I'm so glad we have such a light parable to to help us out through this difficult week. <laughs> this parable is challenging. It, it talks about God's judgment. And I don't know about you, but this has been a really tough week for many of us. And I didn't really want to preach on judgment. You know, I would, I thought of preaching on this earlier, but then after I was going through the week with everything going on, I was like, I wish I could do, preach on something else. You know, because ju- God's judgment is scary. It's scary. Um, you know, when I was in high school, I remember one day I was taking a shower and then I, I mean, my mom woke me up and my mom was, we, I went to school at Moana Loa, so she, we had to get into the car to drive to Moana Loa. So I remember one morning she got me up and she was like nagging me to get up, get up, and I was just exhausted. I didn't want to get up. So I, I slept in and with five minutes left before she, she, she was like, I'm leaving in five minutes. and. I think I was just out of it because I made a really bad decision. I decided to jump into the shower <laughs> with five minutes before she left. So I was taking a shower and I was thinking, she's not going to leave me. So as I'm taking the shower, I'm, I'm like just taking my sweet old time and I hear, Danny, I'm leaving now. I'm leaving now. So I'm like, yeah, right. So I, I continue with my shower and then I hear the car start up. And I'm like, oh no, she's serious. So I get out of the shower, I put the towel around my waist, I grab my clothes, and I run out the house with just my towel on. And I see the car just pulling off, and I'm like, oh no, she actually left. And at that point, I was uh, under a geographic exception, so if I did something wrong, or if I had no excuse for absence, I could have been, I could be expelled from the school. So I was really worried, and I felt really guilty. I was like, oh my gosh, what is she doing? I, you know, what, what did I do? You know, and it was just... So I had the whole day and I, I was ruminating and I was feeling guilty and I, I was like, oh, you know, what could this outcome be? And I don't know how, but it led to like me pondering about God. <laughs> and um, the tradition I'm a part of, we kind of follow the Left Behind <laughs> series, like God will come and rapture us out and then what will be taken won't be left behind. I'm thinking, man, what if God comes today? Would I be left behind? Because I, sh- I should be in school right now. I, I feel so guilty. Like I shouldn't be here. I was just disobedient to my parents. I, I, and all these things were coming to my mind. So as time went on, I, I mean, I got a little bit more worried and a little bit more worried. And then 2 o'clock came and I'm like thinking about, wow, what if God did come today? Like, would I still be, would God leave me behind? Because I don't think I'm like totally right with God. Um, and then 3 o'clock came and nobody's home I'm by myself and 4 o'clock comes and I'm like what if God did come so I'm, I'm, I look outside the house it's like are there people walking on the streets you know maybe if I see somebody then I know God but how do I know if they're a Christian or not I'm like this doesn't help at all and I'm worrying I'm just worrying all day and like what what is happening like and then 5 o'clock comes and usually my mom's home at that time she usually comes back and I'm like she's not home yet maybe something did happen and you you wouldn't understand the relief I felt when at 6.30 I heard the car pull back into the driveway and my mom kind of came out of the car because she was 
super Christian mom to me. She was the one that I felt like, okay, if anybody's going to get taken, it's going to be her because she believes so, she has such strong faith. But that's what God's judgment does. It invokes something in us. I mean, we, we don't really care for it. Now, if we look at this parable, and it's, so we're going to continue our teaching about the parables of Jesus. And we've been saying that the parables are made to confront and to probe, to challenge us and make us reflect on our present state. Well, here we have a parable that conveys such a strong message. What do we do with a parable like this? Jesus illustrates a story about the kingdom of God. It's about God's justice and his judgment. And as we read this parable, images of heaven and hell, of life and death, of, and final judgment come to mind. For some of us, this story might cause us to examine ourselves. Where do we stand with God? Are we the wheat or are we the weeds? This story is about division and separation of good and evil. When God's judgment happened, I want to be right with God. I want to be the wheat. And my prayer is that, please don't make me the weed. According to this parable, the master plants good seed. Yet according to this parable, God is the one who judges. He judges what to do with the wheat and what to do with the weeds. God determines when the harvest and separates the weed from the wheat. When I look at this parable about judgment, it's not as black and white as it might seem. If we focus on making this parable only about the bad, then we make God into this torturous monster. And we know God's not like that. God doesn't like to see his creation being tortured. He created us as human beings, created in his image, which he loves dearly. But also, we cannot refuse the idea about God's future judgment. God is also not a person who spoils a youngster rotten by letting them do whatever they want or giving them whatever they want. He holds us responsible for our actions and our behaviors. So why is Jesus telling us this parable? Well, I think Jesus is taking the role of a prophet here. And prophets challenge and they threaten. They spoke of God's judgment and what it might look like in the future. And the reason why they often talked about the future was to change a present behavior. To change something that was that people were doing at that time. This is this is what the outcome will be if you don't repent and if you don't change your ways. These prophets talked about God's judgment to bring about change in the present. And when you look at these judgment, you know, we think that God judges the nations and Israel was exempt from everything, but that's not the case. Israel was never exempt 
In fact, they got the brunt of God's judgment. So Jesus uses this parable to change a behavior that needs to be addressed here and now. Now, I'm sure many of you, as you pondered upon the existence of God, have asked the question, this question one time or another. Why does God allow all these unjust things to happen in this world? Why does He allow it? If God is all-powerful, why doesn't He just get rid of all the evil in the world? There are times in my life where I ask, you know, I ask God, do you, you know, do you, if you really care, why don't you do something about it? Why don't you just take all the bad things out of this world? Why does God allow things to appear, and I mean, why does God allow things that appear so evil affect our lives? Why does He allow it? Isn't that like the million dollar question? If we could answer that, then life would be so much easier. Well, through this parable, we can come to understand that God is patient. He's patient in dealing with the evil in this world. Although He doesn't condone or like evil, He does love His creation. And we as humankind, we're part of that creation. God allows the weed and the weed to coexist. Now the servant asks if the weeds should be removed. And the, that, the master does the unexpected. He tells them, let them both grow together. Now, that's not what I would have done. I would say, like, yeah, weed them out. It's ugly. Makes the garden look horrible. Weed them out. But God says, let them grow together. See, God is in the business of redeeming His creation. He gives us time as, we, as He pursues us to bring healing and restoration. Not only to us, but to the world around us and all that is in it. Yet, Jesus, by telling us this parable, He's trying to rouse a change of behavior. So what is Jesus trying to do? Is, it, is He trying to get us to be right with God and not to be against God? What is He trying to do? Now, one character that I find intriguing that I never noticed before is the servant. The servant notices that there are weeds growing. It's the servant that suggests to the master, should we remove these weeds from the field? What do we do with these things? These weeds don't belong here. And God's like, don't worry about it. I got this covered. It's nothing for you to worry about. Don't concern yourself with this. I have a plan. Let them grow together. See, I think the message that's being conveyed here is God is saying, leave the sorting to Him. It's the job of the divine to sort things out. 
It's not my job. There are many times where I tell God what should be done to deal with the evil and the injustice in this world. And I don't want to wait. There are seasons where I'm, I'm not interested in God's timing. I don't care. I just want to cut that thing that's eating at me. I just want to cut it off. Yet, I don't know what God's doing. God has a plan. See, I believe the point that Jesus is trying to make here is saying that I am not the judge. You are not the judge. We are not the judge. Let God be the judge. It's none of our business to determine who's in and who's out, who's going to heaven and who's going to hell, who's right or who's wrong. Let God be the judge. We are to let the weeds and the wheat go together. Jesus does tell us, however, how to love our neighbors in the meantime, while the weeds and the wheat are growing together. I wonder sometimes, like, the, the time and the energy we use in judging others and comparing ourselves to others, if that could be used better into just loving people. There's a quote by Billy Graham that I think fits this so well. And he states this, It's the Holy Spirit's job to convict. It's God's job to judge. And it's my job to love. It's my job to love. Now, I don't know how you voted. I don't know if your candidate won or lost. And it's not important for me to know. But what I do know is this, that this was one nasty election. This election has created so much division between people, between neighbors, between our fellow citizens. All we need to do is look at Facebook and see all the posts and the responses that's been given. Right now, there seems to be so many weeds, like hate that seems to have sprouted. It doesn't matter what side we're on. A lot of us just want to get rid of the opposing side. But God allows supporters of each side to grow together. I wonder if the master restrains the servant because life is never that simple. We think that if we just remove evil, good will reign and things will be okay. But life is never that simple. There is good and there's evil. There's black and there's white. There's light and there's darkness. But when the two gets tangled together, we get graves. We get knots. 
things get complicated. And in our zeal to rid the weeds of evil, we very well may, may well likely pull up the the wheat of good. This destructive act of uprooting can actually do harm to that which is good. And just maybe, an act of violence against my neighbor corrupts this, corrupts something that is good in all of us. Now that maybe there's just one more way to take a look at this parable. I wonder if this parable also speaks to what goes inside of us in our human heart. We all have internal inconsistencies. We all have good and bad areas in our lives. And if we're honest, I'm sure we would see that within us we have wheat and we have weeds. We are all made in the image of God. We're all capable of love and compassion and empathy. Yet, there's a potential in us to do great harm and to destroy. To be abusive and manipulative. Yet, God loves us even in our imperfection. That's what grace is about. Now, when I was living in Pasadena, I was working um, for the Pasadena School District, and I was working with this kid, and his name was Isaac Chen. And he was this amazing kid. And he was just unusual. He was, you know, different from everybody else. But he had this way of bringing people together, of bringing out the best in people. Now, what made him different was that he was severely autistic and he had a severe case of Down syndrome. He couldn't even communicate. He couldn't speak words. But there was something about him that drew everyone in the school to him. He, and I think what made him this way was that he just exuded love. He was safe to be around. He accepted everyone. You know, I would just marvel watching him play with the kids on the field because it was kind of like seeing the kingdom of heaven here on earth. It was like, this is what heaven should be like. Where kids who are, you know, of different behavior backgrounds, different economics, just running around and having fun with one kid who can't even speak a word can't say a thing. We have a hard time communicating. He brought up the best in the worst kid. There was this, you know, with the good kids, they would love on him and he would love back. But there were some kids that were just rotten to the core. You know, you would talk to them and they were just so rebellious. Like, no, I'm not doing that. And you would call it, come here, I want to talk to you. And like, no, I have and then, you know, they'll cuss you out and everything. But there was times where these kids would just walk up to me and say, Hey, Isaac, how you doing? Hey, buddy. 
you know, and they would just wrap their arm around it and love them. And it's kind of like, wow, the weeds and the weak, the inconsistencies, but everybody has the capacity to love. And Isaac brought that best out of them. So as we look at ourselves, may we understand the grace that we've been given, that we have these inconsistencies in our lives. But it's God, it is the gift of God, by His grace, that we come to be righteous. May we take the grace we've been given and love on other, others, to care for others, and let God do the judging, because we don't know where people are at. You know, Billy, to end with this, Billy Graham's quote says, it's a holy job, to, Holy Spirit's job to convict, God's job to judge, and our job to love. We're not to be the ones who pass judgment. We are to love, to have compassion, and to affirm one another. We can know this about God and His justice, that He is patient and He is just. It is my hope for Ohana Christian Church and my prayer that we as a people of God value relationships with God and with others. And those relationships go beyond policies or beliefs or doctrines or even religion. It's my hope for this church that we will be a people who love others despite our differences. That we are humble enough to acknowledge that we who experience the love through grace of God, even in our imperfections, are able to demonstrate that love and grace towards others. Let us pray.